Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and had lain down, and was fast asleep. So this captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call to your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they, came to, and they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and said to him, Why have you done this? For the, for, the ma- for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing tr- tr- tempestuous. Then he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Shall we pray? A God and every Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we could come together to worship you as one body in Christ, dear Lord. Dear Lord, as we come here to listen, as we sit down here to listen to your word, we pray that you may speak to us individually through your servant, Uncle Sam, and uh, that you may give us a teachable heart. Dear Lord, we pray that we may be attentive to your word, that we may be convicted through what we hear, and that we may change to become better disciples of you. Thank you, Lord, for answering our prayers. And we commit this all in the precious and mighty and exalted name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, we want to welcome uh, Sam Thomas' uncle. Uh, for all of you who are new to CBF, he was one of our camp speakers a few years back. And uh, he is serving the Lord uh, in Dehradun. Uncle, we welcome you to share from the word and request all of you to pay attention as he brings the word uh, today. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's a joy and honor for me to stand and minister to you the Word of God. Um, what I do is I tell a little story before I begin. Uh, I call it an icebreaker because uh, I'm a stranger to you, to many of you, and uh, uh, you are uh, strangers to me, just to put ourselves at ease, a little story. This is about a drunk man, you know, dirty clothes, hadn't had a bath for a few days, and he had a bottle of 
alcohol in one pocket and an old newspaper in the other pocket. And he walks to the railway station and he sits on a bench and beside him a priest is sitting. So the priest immediately, you know, goes to one side. Uh, and uh, this man opens his newspaper and he's reading his newspaper and he asks, uh, after some time he turns to the priest and says, why do people get arthritis? So the priest thought, here is a chance for me to give this fellow some good advice. He said, people get arthritis because they drink a lot. Because they abuse their wives. Because they neglect their family. Because, you know, he went on a big, big list of uh, why he thought people got arthritis. So this drunk said, oh, okay. And he went back to reading his newspaper. After some time, the priest felt very bad that he had spoken so badly. So he turned to this man and said, from when do you have arthritis? He said, oh, no, 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 I don't have arthritis. I read in the newspaper, the Pope has arthritis. (laughs) 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 Okay. All right. I hope that's eased some tension. (laughs) And now we can listen to God's word. All right. You know, what I do back in our fellowship, I I move around. I move around because I don't want anybody to sleep. (laughs) So I might move around. I may ask questions. So be ready to answer them. All right? Okay. The portion we read just now, Jonah chapter 1, is a book I have studied and shared and studied and learned and has been a blessing, a tremendous blessing to me. So it begins, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, it's not just a story I want to talk to you about. I want to bring application. If we read scriptures and it doesn't apply to our lives, I think it is meaningless. Unfortunately, sometimes we talk of only theology with no connection to your personal and practical life. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. My question is, has the word of the Lord come to you? Has it come to you? Hello? Has it come to you? And what have you done about it? Just to digress from the story, let's let's read a verse. The purpose of why God speaks to you through his word. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. Romans chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. Okay, you have to give me answers, all right? So read carefully. Romans chapter 15, verses 15 and 16. Somebody should read it. Don't waste time. If you waste time, my time will be gone and I'll take extra time, all right? All right, why? Why does God speak to you through his word? Why? Why does God speak to you through his word? Yes, yes. Why? So that? So that what? You didn't read it? So that what? You guys are... Come on. So that... Your life might become... What? Just a sacrifice. Lord, what's your finish? Is it? What? An offering. An offering. That is a sweet savor to him. That your life would be so transformed... By the word you're listening, that it becomes a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Remember the words by heart? No? No? Don't, don't know that by heart? Your minds will be what? Renewed. Transformed. And you will begin to understand what? The good the perfect will of God. And then your life becomes a living sacrifice, acceptable to God. That's what God's word should do to your life if you're listening to it. So has God spoken to you? What have you done about it? All right, coming back to the story in Jonah. You know, Israel had 
had priests, okay, many priests. But if you look at their history, they didn't have many prophets uh, at a time. They're just one or two at the most, you know, because the prophet's life or the prophet's ministry is to, uh, you know, awaken the conscience of people, to tell them where they are wrong, to direct them to what they should be doing. So it's an uncomfortable ministry. So I don't think Israel could handle more than one prophet at a time. And Jonah is this prophet. And God's word comes to him. And what does God say to him? What does God say to him? Yes? What does God say to him? Come on, come on, come on, quickly. What does God say to him? Arise and go to... Do you know anything about Bangalore? All right. Do you know anything about Nineveh? All right. What did God's, God tell Jonah? Rise and go to what? <coughs> go and preach against it. <laughs> Sorry, let me tell you something about Nineveh. And then I'll ask you whether you'll do it. Alright? So turn to, um, uh, turn to the book of Nahum. Just close by. Chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Nahum, chapter 3, verse 1. Go to the city of Lord. Okay, one minute. This is about Nineveh. What's it called? What Bangalore called? City of Mula, What is it? Or the city of traffic jams? We have had a lot of traffic jams traveling around Bangalore. But what is Nineveh called? Why do you think it was called that? Just read on, just read on. Never without victims. Never without victims. Read on, read on. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots. Charging cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears. Many casualties, piles of dead bodies. Many casualties. And what, if you walk around the streets of Nineveh, what will you find? Maybe you'll trip on one of them and fall on another dead body. That is the city. A city called <coughs> Lilywe. And what is God telling Jonah? He not only tells, go to Lilywe. Learn the language. Now is that easy? Is that easy to go to another culture, another place and to learn the language? Not easy. Go and preach. It's like telling to go and preach against Modi, right on his face. Will you do that, any of you, volunteers? Or Mohan Bhagavad? Anybody here? Any volunteers? If God calls you to do that, will you go? <laughs> he didn't give a spiritual answer. <laughs> because if you're in church, you have to give a spiritual answer, you know. It said about a Sunday school child, the teacher was telling something about squirrel. So he gave a, you know, faint idea, gray, fluffy tail. Uh, what do you think this is? He's a Jesus. <laughs> I think it looks like a squirrel, but I'll say Jesus, because Jesus is the right answer in the church, you see. <laughs> well, you didn't get the right answer. <laughs> All right, not the easiest thing to do. You know... Maybe Jonah said, Lord, why don't we send a telegram? <laughs> you see, what you have to understand is, Israel had prophets, but they prophesied against Israel. They were prophets who prophesied against the nations, but they didn't go there. You know, Isaiah prophesied against the nations, but he didn't go to the places. He stood in Israel and he, he, he prophesied against them. So Jonah must say, why not stand here and have a loudspeaker? Or I'll send a... Today it's the internet, you know. Facebook, is it? <laughs> God says, no, 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 no. I want you to go there. I want you to learn the language. I want you to go and preach against the, the nation uh, uh, Nineveh. Because their sin, their wickedness have come to me. Now, practical application of that... <coughs> Nineveh was not in Jonah's comfort zone. 
Now the question I want to ask you is, where does God want you to go? In any way is trouble, in any way is danger, in any way is fear. What would you do if God calls you to go somewhere or to do something that's out of your, getting you out of your comfort zone? Jonah responds. All right, Jonah responds. Does, does Jonah respond? Does he get up? From where are you? Was? Where do you read your Bible? Where do you read your Bible? In your bed? Where are you? Okay, so God spoke to Jonah. And he gets up. And he goes. All right? But it doesn't go where God tells him to go. <laughs> he goes the opposite direction. Hannah? He goes the opposite direction to, to a place called Tarshish. But I don't know if you read carefully. Did you read carefully? Hello? Did you read carefully? What is it? How did Jonah respond? Okay. Unfortunately, these front benches get all the questions. That's why I told you, if I had a mic, I would walk around all over the place. Okay, someone this side. Okay, what, what is Jonah's response? Okay. He does he does not it's not just written he ran away. It's something else is He ran away from the presence of the Lord. Now is that a wise thing to do or a foolish thing to do? Why do you think it's foolish? Why is it foolish? Huh? <laughs> because you can't run away from God's presence. You can't run away from God's presence. Can you? You see, disobedience brings to us this illusion that I can run away and I won't get caught. You know, people get in, into college through sports quota. Is there anybody who's got admission from sports quota? All right. Usually they don't study. <laughs> so the, this guy, you know, he's sitting be, behind the, the best student. And um, he sits and he copies all his answers. All right. And the teacher corrects the paper. And um, uh, when the results come, the teacher makes this guy stand up and says... I think you have copied. He said, how do, you, how do you say that? Why do you say that? He said, all your answers are exactly the same as the guy in front. So he said, what's the problem about that? You know, the question is asked. The answers can be same. So it's just coincidence that both our answers are the same. So all right, all right. It's not the same thing. You know, he got some answers wrong and you also got the same answers wrong. Well, that's also a coincidence. And then the teacher said, you know, he, he said to one question, I don't know the answer to this. And you have written, I also don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> have you copied, guys? <laughs> no? Why do you copy? Why do people copy? Hannah? You want grades that you actually don't deserve. Because you think if you get these grades, you can get into positions that you actually don't deserve. And the worst thing is when you get caught, it's not that you've done something wrong, but the shame of being caught. A lot of time, you know, we do things, we run away from God. And the point I want to make here is, is a very important point. If you want to disobey God, you have to take God out of your mind. You know, answer me this question. Did David know adultery was wrong? Yes or no? Did he know murder was wrong? Then how could he commit adultery and murder? How could he? The only way to do it is to put God out of your mind. 
put away god's character god's will and god's purposes and god's holiness out of your mind only then can you commit the sin it is so with every act of disobedience you have to put god out of your mind and that is running away from him and we are all doing it constantly in different situations running away from the presence of the lord running away from the will of god and we all do it and my question this morning to you is in what area of your life are you running away from the presence of god okay let's let's look at this why do you say we can't run from the presence of the lord he's omnipresent how do you know that which bible which portion Where is it written? Where is it written? Psalm 139. All right. What does Psalm 139 say? What does Psalm 139 say? I last question. Okay, you got to have your answer. Do you know where Psalm 139 is? All right. What does Psalm 139 say? Hello, you said Psalm 139, and then you're not saying what it says. begin to think like that so that is also uh, why is god in hell the presence of god is in, is in hell because he brings judgment he brings judgment all right so technically you cannot run away from the presence of the lord you cannot run away from the presence of god but it is written that jonah ran away from the presence of the lord the question i want to ask you is this what are you running away from maybe god is asking you to confront somebody with a conversation about truth and you think that's hard because it's unpleasant and you don't want to face pain and so you are keeping away from having that conversation is that what's happening in your life or or Has money got a grip on your life 
and god is asking you to be generous god is asking you to give and you're holding on giving would be coming out of your comfort zone or maybe it's a habit you are in and god is asking you to confess that sin to break away that relationship that is against his will maybe god is asking you to give up your judgmental attitude maybe god is asking you to forgive somebody you're bitter against and you're looking for a ship to tarshish rather then be obedient to god i don't know where you are in your life or what your struggles are but the answer is not running away from the presence of the lord it will get you nowhere as we will see in this story so sometimes we think we can run away nobody will ever know maybe you're right there so listen to the story so jonah gets up all right he heads to a place where does he go to joppa why does he go to joppa because that is where the ships are that's where he should have taken a ship to go to tarshish uh, to go to nineveh but he gets into the ship and he goes somewhere he goes to tarshish but there is something written in that verse that give you a little more hint of why we think we can run away from god's It's okay. There's something else mentioned by the spirit of God that tells why he thinks he can run away from God. Eh? Eh? He went on to the ship, okay. And what did he do? Eh? Ah, he didn't go without ticket. Did he go without ticket? <laughs> no, he didn't go without ticket. But but that information given that he paid cash for his ticket. is interesting because in those days you didn't deal in cash it was barter system you gave things for you, you know uh, uh, privileges you wanted or things you needed you gave wheat if you had wheat for a bottle of oil so it was a barter system so jona has got dollars with him maybe he had some american connection is it dollars he has had cash with him you know when you have money when you have strength when you think you are young when you think you are in bangalore with an it company you think you can run away from god when you have resources You think you can run away from God? You see that's the folly that we fall into many times. We think that we can then take a you know ship to Tarshish. Let let me tell you what the ship to Tarshish means. <clears throat> you see God told him to go to where? Nineveh. What kind of city is Nineveh? What kind of city? It's a violent city. It's a violent city but Tarshish is another kind of city. All right? Turn to Ezekiel chapter 27 and verse 25 and try to understand let's try to understand what this ship of Tarshish means. All right. So the ship of tarshish is full of cargo it's a place where it's a ship where you take cargo and go and sell and make money and when you have money you become arrogant okay in other words isaiah 60 verse 9 isaiah 60 verse 9 <clears throat> 
So, ship of Tarshish means great wealth. You know, it's symbols of wealth and self-sufficiency. It's symbols of power and greed. It's symbol of clever economic system. It makes you believe that it will give you security. Are you on a ship to Tarshish? Are you running away from God thinking this is a safe place? Do you think this will, you will be safe here? There is opportunity here, there is security here and you don't want to listen to what God is telling you. Maybe come out to North India. Maybe God will speak to you through this sermon and God will ask you to move out from here up into the mountains where it is minus two degrees at the moment to learn the language and you're saying no. I like it here in Bangalore. I got a good job. I'll find a good wife. And I'll settle down here. I'll be comfortable. Maybe God is asking you to come out of your comfort zone. And let me tell you, the place you think is security, the place you think will give you, you know, money and safety is not really the place of safety. If God is calling you to Nineveh, if God is calling you to the worst place on this earth, and then that is the safest place for you, if that is God's will for you. And Jonah is going to learn that very soon. Running away to Tarshish was not the safest place for him. But to be in Nineveh, in the midst of his enemies, in the midst of these wicked people, doing what God is asking him to do, is the safest place for him. He's going to learn that. Don't wait to learn that, dearly beloved. You respond to God. If you come to North, we have places where we can set you up. People, fields that are ready for harvest. If God speaks to you and you want to come, we will be there to help you and to uh, support you. Verse 4. Verse 4. So he's running away. He got into this uh, ship. He went down and he's sleeping and, he, uh, and the ship moves on. And verse 4. Read verse 4. Verse 4. Quickly, quickly, quickly. My time. When, when do I stop? Okay, here... The Lord sends. Sends what? A wind. Does the wind go where God wants it to go? Does Jonah go where God wants him to go? Why he has got free will, is it? He's got free will, is it? (laughs) What are you doing with your free will? (laughs) Disobeying God? Doing what you want? But the... Nature obeys God. It goes exactly where God wants it to go. And there is this great storm and the ship is about to break and people are taking their cargo and doing what? Throwing up. It's their life. All the money they have invested into this stuff to be sold in Tarshish. It's all going. Being thrown out. into sea. And then they do something. What do they do? What did they do? They called out. I didn't ask you. They called out to who? There. Okay. Capital G. Small G. Or they are calling out to their tribal gods. Now it's a, it's a pluralistic ship. There are all kinds of gods. All kinds of religion. All kinds of belief. People. All kinds of you know, culture, calling out to their gods. In those days, it's only Israel who believed in monotheism. But most of them had their own particular ethnic gods, which they followed and worshipped. Okay? 
And your hope is, when you are in trouble, that your gods will listen. When everything is calm, the sea is calm, you can believe anything. It's when the storm hits, you really know what you believe is real or not real. And so these guys discover that it's not real, the gods that they have been following. And what does Jonah, what is Jonah doing? Children, what is Jonah doing? Who is Jonah again? Who is Jonah? He's a servant of the Lord. What should he be doing? Preaching against men. Preaching against men. Most of us sleep or pray more? I don't know. How is it in Bangalore? I don't know. But Jonah is sleeping. And the interesting thing is, who is waking him up? Is he a believer? From Pentecostal background, is it? He's calling a brother, hey, wake up, you're sleeping. Is he a believer? He's a pagan. He goes up to Jonah, he goes up to the prophet, the servant of the Lord and says, why are you sleeping? Call your God. Maybe he will listen to you. Role reversal, Hannah. Right? The pagan is doing the prophet's job. And the prophet is doing the pagan's job. That is sleeping. And the pagan is waking him up. Sometimes we are so, you know, spiritually superior. We have this attitude that we know better than anybody else. We become this exclusive kind of people. We say, you're not part of us. We exclude people so easily. We, we, we are so arrogant. And I tell you, there are many, many, many pagan, non-Christian people better than you. And it's something we need to think about. So Jonah is woken up. He's, wake, he's woken up. And then they ask him, verse 9, read verse 9, quickly. My time is up. All right. And he said to them, It's interesting. And then go on, go on reading, reading. They knew he was, that's a parenthesis, it's put in brackets. They knew he was running away from the Lord. He had already told them, but they were not afraid then. But they are afraid now when he, for the first time, Jonah is telling something. Okay, in verse line, 9, when he says about this God, what is the word used? Lord. But how is it written? Capital. L-O-R-D-N. You have to understand, there is something happening here. Because when they hear that word, they are terrified. They are filled with fear. Now there is a generic word for God, that is the word Elohim. Alright? Elohim. Everybody would use it. It's a generic word for God. Uh, that's what has been used uh, in the previous verses. There is another word that is used. That's the word Adonai. And here is some advice for Preeti. Because it's written that Sarah called her husband. What? What? Preeti? You better call him Lord. <laughs> Lord Justin. <laughs> that, that is the word Adonai. Alright, that's the word Adonai. It can be used even in human relationships. But the word used here, capital L-O-R-D, is the word Yahweh. Yahweh. It's a word that the Israelites wouldn't take easily in their lips. Because it was a holy name. There is only one God. This is not a title. This is his name. Yahweh. He wants to be known. He wants to come into a relationship with you. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth. For the first time, Jonah is talking about his God 
when he knew there was no other way when he came to the ship first time he didn't talk about his god he was just telling he was running away so they thought he was this was another tribal god <laughs> but here for the first time he talks about the only true god the creator and of the heaven and the, and they see the storm and they connect the dots and they say this is the real thing my question to you dear young people and friends and folks here is this does your neighbor your colleague know the god you follow and serve do they know that your god is the only true god does your life reflect that does your words reflect that does your attitude reflect that do people know who your god is let me move forward because i want to conclude chapter 1 before i i close then they say what shall we do what shall we do initially jonah doesn't tell but when they put lots and his name comes then he tells them you you, you take me and throw me down into the sea and everything will calm down verse 11 and so one of the sailors take him and throw him into the water right is that what they do what do they do they try to save this fellow who got them into trouble and they don't know him from adam when they relate Jonah has for the people of Nineveh. My question is, do you have a heart for the perishing? Do you have a heart for the perishing? Are you concerned of your colleague going to hell who is sitting and you know working with you? Your neighbors? Does that motivate you to do something about it? or will you like jonah run away find a ship to tarsus find a comfortable spot you know you don't want to disturb yourself finally they try and they can't do it they are all going to die and so in verse 14 they pray in verse 14 they pray read that verse 14 quickly they cry to the lord they cry to the lord ha huh? Okay in one verse how many times the word lord has come You're not following How many times the word lord has come Three times How is it spelled All capital So here is a ship of pagan people who were calling their gods now calling whom Whom And how much hand did Jonah have in it How much hand did Jonah have in it Nothing Let me tell you this. It is your privilege to work with God in what he is doing. And if you choose not, then God will not stop what he's going to do. You lose out. You lose out. Because God will do what he has chosen to do. So, here is the ship full of pagan sailors now calling on the name of the lord and they take him and they throw him and there is what there is what quiet 
At this they do something. Verse 16, quickly, I'm, I'm closing soon. Verse 16, yes. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. A ship full of pagan worshippers is turned into the temple of God. They are worshipping Yahweh. They are making vows, an act of commitment, an act of devotion. A boat full of pagan become a place of worship. And this was the last thing Jonah was planning on. You see, what God does is not human plans, but his plans. And it is your privilege and my privilege to, to be involved, to be part of what God is doing the great thing. Okay, let me conclude with this. There is one word that keeps coming with the life of Jonah. All right? Uh, what is that word? Can anybody notice? Verse, verse 3, he ran away from the Lord. He went what? Down to Joppa. He got into the boat and he went down to the bottom. So the word, and at the end of the chapter, where is Jonah? bottom of the sea is literally down. So the word that comes with Jonah is the word down, 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 down. But there's a word that comes with what God is doing. And that is a word great. God sees this great city. God sends a great wind. It turns out to a great, to become a great storm. There is great fear in the hearts of people. God sends a great fish. Maybe your life is going in the downward trajectory. But God wants to do something great in your life. God keeps doing something great always. He keeps doing great things. Have you experienced something great that God has been doing in your life? Let me close with a story. We work with a group of people called the Joint Sides. They are a tribal group. They are a little different group because they practice what they call polyandry. You know what polyandry is? It's the opposite of polygamy. What's polygamy? What's polygamy? Okay, you are one husband and many. Why? What's the opposite? And the woman are saying one husband is more than enough. <laughs> it is one wife and many husbands. They practice this. It's an animistic group. They worship spirits. So there is terrific, terrible demonic oppression in this community. If you're a brother, you'll have to change your mind a bit if you come to these areas. <laughs> because you'll visibly see demonic spirits and their activities. So there was this young man called Rajender. He is from a village called Hanol. And this Hanol is a temple town. Temple town. Everybody in the village is working with the temple. This guy was a drummer. He used to play the drums. An evangelist goes to his village. His wife is paralyzed. Bedridden. Can't do anything for herself. And this evangelist goes and shares the gospel with her and prays with this family. They both accept the Lord and God does a miracle. She is raised from her bed. Not fully, completely, 100% healed, but she can now walk about. Her left hand is still useless. She drags her left leg, but she is able to walk about and she does everything in the house with one hand. She cooks, she cleans, she does everything. Amazing woman. Her, she, her speech is gone. So her husband asks her, you know, these people are doing this to us. And she says, ah, let them. You know, we have the Lord. In action, she's telling this. It's so amazing to watch that woman. She's found the Lord. And she is so full of the Lord. And because they became believers, the village wanted to throw them out of the village. But because they are John Saris, 
and the government has given them land. They cannot throw them out. So they began persecuting them. They persecuted them. They purposely took all his papers, his Russian card, his BPL card, and everything, every paper he had, and they purposely lost it. And they said, you go and apply for new papers. And if you have to apply for new papers, the village head has to sign. And they refused to sign. Refused to sign. And this family, they said, no, we will not fight. And then to... He said, they had a land and they would cultivate and eat. But what happened one day is they cut off their water line, the pipeline, they cut it off. So they have no water. They have to depend on the rain and depending on the rain, they cannot harvest. Only vegetables they can harvest. And the cash crop for them would be tomatoes. But they, they, they need water for it. And so they were desperate. And he used to go and work with road construction people because they were contractors and he found some job. He couldn't go far away because his wife is not fully well. And they were struggling, struggling through life. But they said, no, we will never leave God. He is faithful. He'll find a way. Amen. Let me tell you this, dearly beloved. This is a true story and I was there. I'm I'm an eyewitness to this truth. One day he was walking in his land. And out of his land comes a spring. A water spring comes out of his land one fine morning. And nobody can cut it off because the source is God. And we arrived there just two days before he discovered this water spring. And so we helped him to build a tank at the source. And then it's a mountainous area. And we put a pipe and bring a bigger bigger tank below to collect water so he can do his farming and earn a living. We are just waiting to see how the villagers are going to respond to this. With God, it is an adventure. It is an adventure, an amazing adventure, dearly beloved. Amazing adventure. The safest place for you to be is in the will of the Lord. And if God is asking you to come out of your comfort zone, you do so. Because then God wants to take you on an adventure. I pray God will bless you with these words and encourage you. And if you come north, you're welcome to our home. Thank you and God bless you.